Well, if you have your Bible there, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 today. I want to read the first 11 verses of this uh, proverb for our text today and endeavor to bring a message from God's Word that He could use in hearts and lives. As we stand together showing our respect for the reading of God's Holy Word, we'll begin in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 6. He says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself. When thou art come into the hand of thy friend, go humble thyself, and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for Your precious Word, and I pray Your blessings would be upon the reading of Thy Word. And Father, I ask today that You would be with me as Thy servant, and give me clarity of thought and strength of voice and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that You would use me to bring a message today that You'll use to minister to hearts. Lord, I would never want to just preach a sermon. I pray You'll make it a message, and through it You'll speak to hearts and lives, and You'll minister to people according to Your will and purpose. And Lord, I acknowledge again today that I know that in myself there's no good thing and there's no ability to minister to people. And yet, Lord, by Your grace and with Your help, uh, I pray that You'll use me uh, to honor Yourself. And Father, I pray You'll be pleased and honored and glorified today, not only by the message, but especially by the response of people to Thy Word and Thy Spirit as You work. And we'll praise You for what You do, for we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. And please be seated. Most of us realize that this is Labor Day weekend. The Labor Day holiday. Tomorrow is Labor Day officially. Uh, Labor Day is a holiday that was established for the purpose of honoring and rewarding working people with a good holiday. There's two men that were credited uh, with uh, suggesting a holiday to honor working people. Uh, one of them was uh, Matthew McGuire who was a machinist from Patterson, New Jersey. The other was Peter McGuire, and their names were last names spelled different. They were not related. Peter McGuire was a New York City carpenter who helped establish the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners. Both men helped stage the first Labor Day parade in New York City in September of 19, uh, excuse me, 1882. President Grover Cleveland signed a bill in 1894 making Labor Day a national holiday. You know, labor is a necessary and an honorable activity. It really is. Since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, man has made his way by the sweat of his brow. Those that labor faithfully and diligently provide for themselves and for their families are performing what I believe to be a task that pleases and honors the Lord. Regardless of the type of work, as long as it's an honorable type of work, it pleases and honors the Lord. 
I believe Labor Day is a good holiday. It, it, it is for the purpose of, of recognizing and honoring uh, working people, regular working people like us. And uh, we, uh, our text has to do with labor. The, the passage of Scripture we've just read here has to do with labor. You know, labor is how we get our money. I mean, most folks, even if you love your job, there's a lot of days you go to work because you want to get paid. I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. God designed things that way. Verses 1 to 5 of our text tell us to be careful with our money. And then verses 6 through 11 talks about the sluggard and the ant. Today's message is about our labor. It involves being careful with our assets. It has to do with having a good work ethic and being responsible. The passage about suretyship goes with the passage about being a sluggard. And uh, it's uh, and please don't be offended. It, 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 I don't think this is the case always, but a generalization: it is often a sluggard that is an irresponsible or a lazy person who wants help from an ant who is a responsible and diligent person. And so the title of the message today is Ants and Sluggards. Ants and Sluggards. Say, man, what an uplifting thought. This preacher is going to call me a sluggard today. Well, let me say this before I go any farther, because I'm I'm going to be a little hard on sluggards here today, but I have to admit before I ever start, there's a little sluggard in all of us. Amen? has to do with that sin nature that was taught about in Sunday school today. And uh, those, uh, that uh, flesh that we live within, that uh, live within these bodies. And so, I'm not setting myself up that I've never sloughed off about anything in my life. Right? I'm not even going to say I've never been irresponsible in my life. If I did, the Lord knows better, so I might as well fess up. Amen? You probably have it figured out too, though, because we're all made out of the same thing. Verses 1 to 5, though, just some really good practical things I want to talk about in here today that has to do with how we live our lives and so forth, but there's definitely, as we come to the conclusion of the message, there'll be some strong spiritual applications in this. Not that these other things don't have to do uh, with our spiritual life as well, but beware of surety-ship. Beware of surety-ship. He said, if thou be surety for thy friend. To be surety means to guarantee payment of somebody else's debt. It means to co-sign, in our terms today, for a loan. The Bible says, beware of that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you should in your life, I believe, all of us should in our lives make a habit of only guaranteeing payment for the debt of another if we are willing and able to pay that debt if they don't. Don't put yourself out there on the limb to wear something you couldn't pay if you needed to, and also, you wouldn't be willing to pay it if you needed to pay it. Most of us have co-signed loans for our children. You know, as they come into young adult life, maybe buy a car or something like that, and they didn't have credit to start with, and we've done that, and the, the plan is for them to pay it off. But if, we, if they don't pay it off, we're not going to try to send them to debtor's prison. Amen? We, we understand that's a great lesson for them to learn in their life. And he talks about stricken thine hand with a stranger, and he's talking about... The same situation involving a stranger. Verse 2, he said, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. He said, when you guarantee somebody else's uh, 
payments or somebody else's loan being taken care of. He says you're snared with the words of thy mouth. And what it's talking about there is a verbal contract. You know, I, I personally, I, I think it's good to write things down. But I liked it when it was, and I'm old enough that I remember when a lot of transactions were made with a shake of the hand. Now, if you want to borrow money on a car, you've got to sign ten pieces of paper to do that. You know, I used to complain about if you bought real estate, you had to pay a lot, you know, do a lot on that. But now I see others doing, you know, borrowing money for a car and so forth, and it's, uh, things have changed, haven't they? So what he's talking about there, he's talking about thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. He's saying you've made a verbal contract. And it's binding. If you're an honest person and you make a verbal contract, it's as binding as 27 signatures on loan papers. It should be just as binding. And, and he's talking about borrowing in that way. He says it, it, you've made for yourself a snare. Of course, a snare is a trap. You risk having to pay the other person's debt. You cause your assets to be tied up uh, when you uh, make a co-sign a note because uh, most of us are only good for so much credit even if we wanted to borrow, have a lot of credit. Anybody follow what I'm saying? Uh, I remember when I was in college, before my last year of college, I found a car I really wanted to buy and it was more than my uh, loan value was at that time in my life. And I asked my father, if he would, my dad, if he would, co-signed that loan for me and he had a little side bit he had a side business besides his regular job and he used credit in that and he said uh, I can't tie up my credit for this right now and so I mean you got to look at all assets of that and and we need to understand we're putting ourselves in a position when we do that we better be careful when we do that verse 3 through 5 his advice is deliver thyself <laughs> do this now humble thyself Humbly approach the person that you signed a note for. Uh, make sure thy friend is, get him to provide his own surety for what he's done there or somehow discharge his debt. Be urgent about this. Don't sleep until it's done. Deliver thyself as out of a trap or a snare. Of course, uh, I'm not going to stay on that uh, much longer here, but let me give you a couple thoughts about that. You know you work for your money and your possessions. And what he's saying here. Don't risk them by co-signing for those who are not providing for themselves. Don't give what God has supplied for you to take care of you and your family in order to take care of those who fail to provide for their own. I mean, those are just common sense things. I've seen the sad situation where uh, people who have grown children, you know, they spend their life uh, accumulating some things and preparing for the time of their life maybe when they don't have to work every day, and what we call retirement and so forth. And I've seen them spend it all on children when they probably shouldn't have. It's their business. And they don't have time to get to accumulate those things again that the, uh, the older ones do. We need to be careful about those things in our life regardless. Is don't give what God has supplied for you to supply for others and then you go wanting. Don't be an enabler. Oh my... I've seen so much of that. I've seen that in people that I'm related to and people that in our church and so forth. And you say, what's an enabler? It's the person who keeps taking care of people who ought to be taking care of themselves. Don't be an enabler. Don't cater to the irresponsible. And by the way, don't feel guilty 
if you have more than what a sluggard has. Even if they're your good friends. No matter how much you love them, don't feel guilty for having something because you lived your life as an ant instead of as a sluggard. You say, well, Sunday morning church, I get to hear that. Well, it's what God laid on my heart today, okay? Look at the ant in verse 6 through 8. He says, go to the ant. And what he's saying is, you know, the little bug. He says, go to the ant. Look at the ant. See the ant as an example of uh, being diligent and faithful in their labor. He said, be wise. Go to the ant and be wise. Watch them and learn from them is what he's saying there. Thank God. I mentioned my father. Uh, I thank God that he taught me how to work. Taught me it was important to work. I remember as a young teenage boy, he and I having some conversations, and he had this more than once, and he, he had a good job and, and made, uh, he wasn't wealthy at all, he wasn't upper middle class even, but he made a good living for his family and so forth, and, and he talked about how he started out as a boy running a paper route. You know, and, and uh, he got a, a job, of course, right out of high school, he went into the war, World War II, went into the service, but uh, after that, uh, he, he got a, a job working in a grocery store and became a meat cutter, and then he got a a, a, a job, some of you will remember this, he got his, a job as a delivery man for the local laundry. He had a laundry route. Somebody, I didn't know they ever had laundry routes, but he delivered dry cleaning and so forth, picked it up and so forth, and did that for a while. And then he got a job that he kept uh, the rest of his life. And, and, uh, he, uh, but he said, you know, I started with something that wasn't very much, but if you want to get a good job, you've got to establish a good work record. And he did that, and, and God honored that. And I... I uh, I learned from that. And we need to learn from those who live a life as an ant instead of as a sluggard. Concerning the ant, he says, having no guile, verse 7, overseer or ruler. Talking about the ant was in, is industrious. He's a self-starter. He's self-disciplined. The ant has initiative. He doesn't need to be prodded a lot of good things about the ant. Amen? He does what needs to be done without being told. The Bible says He provideth His meat in summer. And I know they do because sometimes they get some of it from our picnics. Amen? <laughs> and and uh, you see Him uh, walk, uh, running off with some crumbs or some uh, uh, small pieces of food and so forth. But uh, he, he provideth His meat in summer and He gathers His food in harvest. And harvest time preparing for what's ahead. The ant's such a good example of those things that we've mentioned. I'll review them in a moment. But the sluggard is... Uh, that's a, <laughs> who wants to be called a sluggard? Sluggard. A sluggard is slothful. And lazy. And even if they're not slothful and lazy about that, they're irresponsible in their lives. He said, how long wilt thou sleep Old sluggard, when wilt thou arise? What he's saying is, when are you going to get up and go to work? When will you become responsible and dependable? And he says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And I just picture this in my mind. I, I think about the folding of the hands. What do you mean folding the hands? You ever seen a man in his recliner 
especially if he has some decades on him. <laughs> okay. Ever seen anybody like this? Got their feet up and down. You let, uh, and hey, by the way, there's nothing wrong with getting some rest at the end of the day. Amen. But he's talking about the sluggard that that's just the way he lives his life. Sleep, slumber, resting, folding of the hands. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber is what he's talking about here. So shall thy poverty come. So shall thy poverty come. Poverty is always a result of sloth. You know, even in poor countries, and we have uh, missionaries out of our church that are on in some, you know, third world country. Our daughter and her husband's what I call a two and a half world country. That's my definition. Not quite a third world country, but it's definitely not anything close to what we're used to. But I found that even in those countries, those who are willing to get up and go to work every day, they have food to eat. And it's not the kind of roof I want over my head, but they have a roof over their head. And they're taken care of uh, because they have work ethic. And I know there's exceptions to that. There's, you know, the, the economies and so forth. I'm not uh, saying anything against that. But uh, talking about getting up and going to work. Poverty, by the way, poverty is lacking necessary food, clothing, and shelter. Poverty is not lacking luxuries. It's not lacking all your wants and the latest fads and the latest trends. And poverty is not lacking an expensive hobby or real expensive vacations and all those kind of things. That's not poverty. By the way, I learned a long time ago the government is not very good at setting a poverty level. Wanda and I know we lived a lot of years of our life in what the government would call living in poverty by their, their uh, standards. You know, we lived our lives that way and we always had food to eat and roof over our head. We had all of our needs met. We never had a time in our life that all of our needs were not met. There was a man in our church years ago, I was a young pastor, and, and he had uh, grown up in, in the hills of Kentucky and... and uh, he said, you know, I never knew we were poor until somebody told me we were. Amen? He says, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. In other words, poverty's on its way. And as an armed man, it's talking about a, like an armed robber. To take away uh, your provisions. By the way, this is free. Welfare dependence enslaves people. It enslaves people. But I want to hurry up and say this so I'm not misunderstood. There is, there is a place for benevolence and sharing. I'm not against that at all. What I would like to always be able to do for others when they're in need is to give them a hand up not a continual handout. And so please don't go away from here and say, well, I work for mine, I got what I got, and it's mine, and I'm not sharing it with anybody. I'm not saying that, and the Bible doesn't say that. But it's talking about catering to the sluggards. It's talking about you being a sluggard, or you're being an ant. Brief summary of our text is, beware of being surety for others, 
even for a friend. Be careful with your money and possessions. Be responsible with your money and possessions. We all have a limited supply. Isn't it true? (laughs) But he said, follow the example of the ant. Have a good work ethic that is initiative and self-discipline and diligence and do what you should do when you should do it. Be a self-starter. Don't be one who has to be prodded to do everything. Wouldn't it be good? Does everybody get the idea here? The difference between an ant and a sluggard? Wouldn't it be good if all of us were ants in the workplace, at home? Wouldn't it be good, Pastor, if everybody in the church was an ant for God? All of our responsibilities of life. Teach your children to be ants and not sluggards. I believe all kids ought to have some kind of chores as they grow up in the home. And uh, teach them to be ants when it comes to schoolwork and other responsibilities of life. Kids say, man, I'm glad he said that because I've been wanting my parents to get on to me more about being uh, working in school. <laughs> I had a, a teacher when I was in the seventh grade He said it so many times during the year, I'll never forget it. But I was a 7th grader. He told our class at least once a month, usually twice a month. He would say, I want you to remember what you are to be, you are now becoming. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. I was in public school. But he was a moral man. He said, what you are to be, you're now becoming. Parents, we need to remember that with our kids. We want to be dependable and responsible and act right and do right. Are you following what I'm saying? It's our responsibility to teach them those things the best we can. I've known too many parents who say, I had it so hard as a kid, I'm not going to make my kids do anything. You're raising a sluggard. Being an ant will benefit them in every area of life. In the workplace, in their education, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, and of course as a Christian. Let's talk about some spiritual lessons. Some spiritual lessons from the ant and the sluggard. I believe that as the debtor is to the creditor, every unsaved person is in bondage to sin and to Satan. If you want to look at your Bible, I'll read you a few verses out of John's Gospel, chapter 8. John, chapter 8. Please don't go away from here while you're turning your Bible. Don't go away from here and say, boy, that brother Wood, he said, don't ever borrow any money for anything or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need to be careful about those things and how you handle that and so forth. And and there's some uh, biblical principles that uh, I think uh, even work uh, with that as far as Uh, to what extent you would be in debt and so forth. But I'm not going to get into that. As the debtor is to the creditor, every unsaved person is in bondage to sin as into Satan. John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus was talking to a group of uh, Pharisees and such that that day, and He said, uh, said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered uh, Him, they, they answered Him, 
we be Abraham's seed. And we were never in bondage to any man. I think that's interesting. They were under the rule of the Roman Empire. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. I know you have a, a, a good, I guess what we call an addictions ministry here, freeing people from the bondage of sin and so forth. And the word addiction has become very, very popular in the last many decades. Uh, every, everything that, every bad habit a person has, uh, you know, it's some kind of addiction. And, and in truth, that can be said that way because sin does enslave. It does enslave. But the truth shall make you free. That's what Jesus said. And then He even went on down. I'll not read it all there, but uh, uh, He says in verse 36, uh, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed from the bondage of sin. Of course, in, in verse 44 of John chapter 8, He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and, and the lust thereof of your father you will do. Satan and sin enslave people, put people in bondage. Do you get the analogy? Like the debtor is to the lender? Thank God Jesus died to set us free from the penalty of sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that verse. He gave His Son to die. He said, Jesus said of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus is the way. And by the way, He's the only way. There's so many things we could say about His being the way. And the time to be saved is right now. It's like in Proverbs, He said, don't go to sleep, don't slumber. Deliver yourself from this snare. And I'm telling you today, the Bible's still saying concerning deliverance, now's the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You say, I, I, I admit as a young Christian, I read that, and I think, I, know what I, I think I know what that means, but it said now, a couple thousand years ago, when it was written. Everybody follow what I'm saying? And that now is already gone. But I realize this now is now. And now is the time when you realize you're lost. And you realize you need to be saved. That's the now. Deliver yourself from this awful bondage of sin. We need to be that way. Being an ant, once you are saved, being an ant can greatly help your spiritual life. Being an ant involves having some character, the right kind of character. It involves having self-discipline and diligence about task and the ability to deny yourself and do what you should do. You know, when I went into the ministry, I, I of course, I surrendered to preach in 1970. Uh, and uh, that, that year I surrendered uh, to the ministry and, you know, started pointing my life toward preparing for that and so forth. And then I went into the ministry as far as on church staff in 1974. Served the Lord in the interim there. But when I started in the ministry, I thought, boy, people are messed up 
you know, if you on a scale of zero to ten, I mean, there's a lot of people that are five or below in spiritual things. You know, the moment they get saved, they they got so much up against them. But I figured out about 20 years ago, there's a large percentage of our society somewhere in the minus. <laughs> no background. No concept of what biblical Christianity is. And there's so many of them that have very little concept about what right and wrong is. You know, when I got saved, I already knew what was right and wrong. Pretty much so. Anybody with me like that? I mean, I knew, you know, you're supposed to treat people like you want to be treated, and it's not right to steal and lie and cheat. And, and, and I, I understood things like that. There's a lot of people that don't understand those things. I mentioned my dad, who was a good dad and taught me a lot of things, but he didn't get saved until after I got saved. But I'm still thankful for the things they taught us. My parents. And what I'm saying today is, being an ant is a good thing in every realm of life, and it will help you as a Christian. The ability uh, to do what you're supposed to. Being slothful, uh, just let me say this, slothful, undisciplined Christians do not do well spiritually. Now you can start out that way, and by the grace of God you can learn and grow and become what God wants you to be. And those things, regardless of your starting place, can happen quickly if you'll make Him the Lord of your life. If you'll get uh, your eyes on Him as a child of God. But people who continue to live their lives as the slothful or as the sluggard, they they're difficult, uh, have difficulty with their spiritual disciplines like read your Bible and pray and, and do it regularly, do it daily. Go to church and be faithful. They tend to give in to temptation. All of us give in to temptation, but if they're going to be a sluggard concerning their spiritual disciplines, they're not going to get victory in those difficult things in life. They fail to do their supposed to do's. <laughs> and uh, they tend to give in, as I said. They generally, by the way, I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, but the slothful Christians generally borrow heavily from the ants in spiritual matters. What I mean by that is, everybody who's a member of the church, regardless of how faithful or diligent you are, you love it when God blesses the church. All of us who are part of the church, all of us who've been saved love to see other people get saved. Amen? All of us who are saved love to uh, see great things happening in the ministry of the church and God blessing and more people coming to know the Lord and more people being added to the church and so forth. But as far as getting that done, the sluggard, the slothful person depends on the ants to get the work done. Amen? Now we know what God thinks about ants and sluggards because He tells us in His Word. Proverbs chapter 6. And a whole lot of other places, those principles are detailed for us. What I'm saying is, it ought to be the desire of every one of us, every one of us who are saved, it ought to be our desire to be an ant for God in our Christian life, in our service to God. And by the way, you do understand that a local church is a body. 
It is not just an organization, it's a living organism. And the Bible details how we're interdependent. And every one of us who know the Lord, there are things that God has for us to do for Him that will move His work forward, that will further His kingdom on this earth, that will further the work of the local church that we're a part of. And so I'm going to say this again. The slothful generally borrow heavily from the ants when it comes to serving God and carrying on the work of the Lord. Would to God that each of us would endeavor to be an ant. Faithful and diligent, responsible and dependable. A self-starter who doesn't need prodding, although all of us need preaching. By the way, preaching is not just prodding. Preaching is feeding. Teaching and training and challenging and motivating and strengthening. We all need it. Thank God for those like your pastor who faithfully preach the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your... It's Labor Day weekend. We're talking about labor. And he says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, the devil has a lot of Christians convinced it doesn't do any good to serve God. Vain means empty, worthless, without value. The devil has a lot of Christians convinced it doesn't do any good to witness the lost people. It doesn't do any good to pass out tracts. It doesn't do any good to serve God in the ways you ought to do. But the Bible says your labor, labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I'll tell you why the devil tells you it doesn't do any good to serve God is because he knows it does. It does. I have witnessed to hundreds more people, uh, more people than I've led to Christ. So you follow what I'm saying? I'd like to be able to say I, one out of every hundred people I talk to about the Lord gets saved, but I haven't seen that. But I don't know which ones have gotten saved and haven't. I do know there's people that get saved that, you know, you talk to them about the Lord, you give them a track, you witness to them, they might not get saved that day, but many of them get saved down the road. I think the Bible says something about one sows, one waters, God gives the increase. It does say that, doesn't it? Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Please, determine in your heart by the grace of God and with His help. You're not going to be lazy and undependable and stubborn. Those are all, those are characteristics of a sluggard, a slacker, an excuse maker, inconsistent. Again, let me say this. All of us have some sluggard in us. All of us sometimes need some prodding. Amen? It could have to do with the work we're doing or it could have to do with the way we're living. And they do go hand in hand. Have to do with other spiritual needs in our lives and thank God that He has people in our life, whether it's the preacher preaching or the Sunday school teacher ministering or it's a friend as the Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Thank God He has people in our lives to help us. And we all need help. 
But just because I have some characteristics of the sin nature in my life, all of us do, that should not characterize us or describe our way of life. We should all strive to be like an ant. We ought to get up and try again when we fail. The ant is the example of diligence and dependability. He will be provided for and blessed in this life. I want to say that again. The ant is an example of diligence and dependability and that person will be provided for and blessed in this life materially and spiritually. And the Christian who lives like an ant should live and serves like an ant should serve. He'll be blessed and provided for in eternity as well. Rewards in the smile of the Savior and a well done. The life of a sluggard tends to poverty. Poverty's coming to him like, like somebody's traveling his way or like an armed robber who comes upon him. But the ultimate poverty, the ultimate poverty is spiritual poverty. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Let me read these to you. It's talking about we were Gentiles and now we've been saved. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says, talking to Gentile Christians, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Listen to this. Having no hope and without God in the world. It's one of the saddest things I've ever read or thought about. I remember what it was like to have no hope and without God in my life in this world. I remember the fear. I'm not ashamed to say, as an 18-year-old, I was afraid of dying. I used to feel bad about that, and I read a Gallup poll several years later said about, he said to 70 to 80% of teenagers, 16 and up, 80% of them think about dying sometime every week. And I don't think that's changed a bit. I don't think that's changed at all. By the way, having no fear, that's not bravery. That's foolishness. You know, the bravest man you'll ever meet knows what fear is. He just does what he needs to do in spite of his fear. But I remember being afraid of dying and what's going to happen to me. I had a friend killed in Vietnam and I had a guy graduated from high school was hit by a car and killed the summer after we graduated. And, and I know those things are real and they do happen. Spiritual poverty is no hope and without God in the world. A person in spiritual poverty is unsaved. Or it could be a saved person who's backslidden and wayward. You may know the Lord, but you're walking afar off. People living with fear and worry and despair. I believe the ultimate provisions, we're talking about the ant and the provisions. Call it, if you please, the ultimate wealth is salvation and the abundant Christian life and a home of heaven in waiting and rewards in heaven as well. You know, salvation is available to everyone. Everybody who hears the Gospel and understands that Jesus died for their sins Everybody can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I looked up that word whosoever and it means whosoever.
anybody who will repent of their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ. The abundant life is for every Christian. You say, what's the abundant life? It's a life that, among other things, is filled with an abundance of joy. You know, a joy that's unspeakable and a peace that passes understanding. And meaningful purpose in life. Provisions from God in every area of our life. For those who not only know the Lord as Savior, but walk with Him and follow Him. Home in heaven awaiting. Rewards in heaven. By the way, even talking about the ant and dependability and doing what we ought to do and living like we should, please understand nobody can work their way to heaven. You know, the religion of works is do right and live right and do what you're supposed to do and all that kind of thing and that will get you to heaven. But you know, I finally figured out you can earn your way to hell because the Bible says the wages of sin is death and that's our earnings. That death is the second death in the lake of fire forever. You can earn your way to hell by your sin and I know you're a sinner because the Bible says for all have sinned. You can earn your way to hell but you can only trust your way to heaven. The Bible says that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us if you want to go to heaven it requires repentance in your heart Toward God, oh God, I've lived my way. I've lived a sinful life. Repentance in your heart. And I want to turn to you, God, and be what you want to be. And in faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary is sufficient to atone for and wash away your sins. You become a child of God by receiving Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Once you are saved, I'll put some of this in quotes because I know it's still by the grace of God. But you can earn a lot of things from God by being an ant as a Christian. There are blessings from God upon faithful children of God. Amen? There are blessings from God in this life and there are rewards that last forever. My challenge to you would be determine your heart, I want to be an ant.